Hello everyone, this is the Fashion Photography Podcast. My name is Virginia and as every Wednesday and almost every Friday, I'm your host. Today is Wednesday and I'm here with a guest. I'm sure you're not surprised about that, but I was surprised when we were making the list with the info about this episode because God, there are so many things that we are talking about and they're all so useful. We talk about my guest's equipment. At the same time, she's giving some cropping tips. We talk about pattern shooting and God, it's just amazing. I love this interview because today we'll be talking also about creating stories and the essential equipment about starting photographers. But at the same time, there are topics like value and how to figure out your rate. As I said, this interview is full of insights and super valuable lessons. So I don't want to waste your time. I just want to go straight to the interview. Hello, my name is Kendra Page. I'm a fashion and beauty photographer currently based in South Florida, originally born and raised in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. Aside from being a photographer, I'm also an industry educator currently with Retouching Academy. And I also teach and mentor uh, young artists as well. Great. Do you do this one-on-one? -on -one? It's a mixture. Some are kind of like smaller classroom settings. Uh, others are going to be one-on-one -on -one for some of the students that plan to really make it into a career, which is uh, quite exciting <laughs> to, to be able to kind of be in the, the pulse of, uh, of the youth as well. So I have my own little focus groups <laughs> in a way, but it's really uh, wonderful to be able to kind of inspire Uh, and coach young artists that are going to become future professionals. Great. And for how long you've been in this industry? I've been kind of in the industry really actively, I'd say for the past seven years, uh, really kind of dabbled, you know, got my feet kind of wet in the world <laughs> of photography over a decade ago. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what was your first direction? Was it always fashion and beauty? When I first kind of picked up a camera, I was really fascinated with just general portraiture. I, I always just loved people's eyes and their face kind of in general. So I started there. And then as I kind of became a little bit more confident in my skills and also discovered that my love of writing could really be kind of merged with photography and that I could blend the two passions together. That's really what kind of led me towards editorial photography and fashion. Because you always need a story there, right? Yes. I always think there needs to be some sort of concept. You know, sometimes you could have a, a beautiful person that you're capturing, but I think for it to be successful, at least in the beauty and fashion realms, there really needs to be some purpose or some context or some kind of story behind it uh, for the viewer to follow. In your opinion, does it always have to be a very complicated story or everything could work? I don't think it has to be complicated at all. Some of my favorite stories that I've seen from other artists as well have just taken something really simple and found a really clever way presenting it. And it's been incredible. So I don't think people have to kind of have a, a dissertation worth of <laughs> thought and planning that goes into their concept. They really just be free to explore it. And sometimes even experimentation could be <laughs> the best of ideas <laughs> for a shoot. Oh, definitely. But at the same time, I'm asking myself, is there a story that has been repeated so many times that we just have to leave it at a certain point? It's interesting because I think now art in general is so accessible 
and we're so kind of inundated with everything we see on social media, you can really see those ideas kind of repeated. And I think there's kind of two sides to it. I think there's that one point where you might have an artist who's like, well, it has to be original. I have to be the first or I can't do it. I think that's their prerogative. But I think that there should really be a sense of kind of ownership in creating art. And that can really come from anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be from a lot of inspiration and reference. You know, it could just be that you have a great team and you want to explore using certain lighting or certain colors. So I think that there's kind of a a balance between the two, kind of sourcing that inspiration and then shooting it. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned about colors and equipment. I think that's a very interesting topic to discuss with a person like you because you're shooting very tight close-ups and Mm -hmm. I think you have no room to make any mistakes. Am I right? That's definitely a a very valid point. Technical skills are are definitely something that is important, especially when you're working as often as I am within the studio. They are not the most forgiving of lighting Mm -hmm. situations because everything is so magnified and so detailed. And does kind of put a little bit of pressure on me as the photographer to make sure that, you know, the lighting is exactly the way it needs to be and all the details from, you know, even makeup and hair and styling is there. But I think that really just comes with some practice and really training your eye on what to see and then just communicating your vision with your team to make sure that they're kind of backing that up. (laughs) So that way, when you take the picture, it's as close to perfect as it can be. Even with your own kind of uh, plans for how you are going to process it after the fact. So I think that's also important when you're working with beauty, especially. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to ask you about that. But first, Mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about your equipment. What do you think is essential for a starting photographer to have in their kit? Tell me all about those things. You got it. So currently right now, I'm shooting with uh, Canon DSLRs for my main body. My favorite kind of lens is the 100 millimeter macro that, that I shoot a lot of my beauty with, as well as uh, my 70-200 2.8L lens that I'll use if I need to kind of compress a little or have a little bit more freedom. When it comes to lighting, I'm currently using Elenchrome strobes for my kit. And I kind of started with their basic units and then have kind of upgraded over the years. And my modifiers are primarily going to be Mola beauty dishes. Mm-hmm. I think those are wonderful. And I use Bron color as well for some of my modifiers. And that's kind of the basics for equipment. But I get this question a lot, especially from young artists who want to kind of really jump into the world of studio. And I think that it's important to have some of the like basic modifiers, mm-hmm. sort of your mainstays, you know, like you need to have a beauty dish so you can really kind of mm-hmm. see how that lighting is and, and how it kind of reacts with the skin. So I think that the, the main thing is just the plan should be to find something that you can grow with, but to really keep it within your budget at the time. You know, I think a lot of people feel like, oh, well, I can't get this image unless I have XYZ Mm -hmm. super amazing equipment. And that's just really not the case. You have such a diversity in your projects. Tell me what's the secret of using almost every time the same light and at the same time having so many different results, because that's interesting. (laughs) Oh, no, thank you. So when it comes to using kind of the same modifiers, really your distance can have a bit of an impact as well as kind of the angle that you're working with. And when it comes to that, it's also important to really think about your set design because set design can really be a big difference as well. 
I can put a beauty dish in front of a white backdrop and it'll be a completely different look and feel to if I have you know, even just a gray backdrop or a black drop as well. So I think that's something to really think about is kind of that overall look and then how you're going to use that one light to really make a difference. It's going to be really close up and I'm going to get a little bit of larger highlights to the skin. You know, am I going to pull it back so I get a little bit more contrast? That really kind of makes an impact when it comes to that. I've been wondering, maybe you can help us a little bit on this topic, talking about crops. Do you do your crops in camera or maybe afterwards? It does depend somewhat on kind of the initial frame. But a lot of times I will say, especially when I'm doing macro work, I tend to try to get it as close in camera as possible, just because I, I really I am a bit of a detail fiend, I suppose, in that way. I want it to really be as sharp as I can get it. So typically I do try to crop it right then and there. But it really does depend. Sometimes just even the model's uh, facial structure can have an impact on how the light is really falling on them. And therefore, I might back out just a little bit more so that I can get that exact look and then crop in later. But I will say personally, predominantly, I tend to try to get it right as close to the crop that I want in camera. I was hoping you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any specifics of cropping so close? Oh, absolutely. So when it comes to really cropping in for those uh, very tight details like the eyes or even the lips, what can happen, especially if I'm shooting with a macro lens, for example, and I can't really zoom in with that, I will be blocking the light if I get mm -hmm. too close. Because <laughs> typically that, you know, that beauty dish will be like kind of right behind me. So that can make it a little bit tricky when it comes to cropping appropriately for that. So It really starts first with just examining the light. And if I can be where I want to be position-wise and I have it framed the way I want to, then it's all good. But if not, then it's a little bit of kind of leaning back and I will have the model really kind of tilt her head in different directions so I can see exactly how the light is falling. I shoot tethered. And I think that's really mm -hmm. important to working in a studio environment. I have my camera hooked up to an Apple TV that then shows on like a 65-inch display. So I have my creative team gather around that television. So that way they're kind of off of the direct set that I'm shooting and they can see small details and I can quickly kind of glance over and see as well. And I think that really helps to, to make sure that those details are exact because macro beauty is so unforgiving. You really have to get it right right away <laughs> in the camera. And what do you use for tethering? What program maybe? Uh, yeah, I kind of go between a few. At beginning, I would use just the little Canon one that it came with stock. I've since kind of upgraded to Capture One for my tethering. And I just use like a kind of a USB cord or Wi-Fi, depending on which body I'm working with at the time. Then from there, that goes to my laptop, which I have that I shoot directly to. And then I use the Apple TV to wirelessly put that to the display for my team to look at and for the model to kind of quickly see as well what the results are. You said that you're using Capture One, but just for the preview <laughs> um slowly going to your retouching mm -hmm. so do you use the capture one just for the preview i actually do just use it for the preview uh, which <laughs> i too. know is a bit strange <laughs> no it's not not to me <laughs> i really started out in adobe lightroom and really fell in love with it i really became very efficient at using it so for the purposes of my workflow i really just never saw a strong need to change. And I really just felt that for the tethering purposes, 
Capture One was perfect for that. But when it came to my culling and organizing and kind of basic uh, raw conversion before it got into Photoshop, Adobe Lightroom really has me covered. And now you're using only Lightroom or you also go to Photoshop? I well, definitely do all the heavy lifting within Photoshop, but Lightroom is, is really kind of where it all starts for the culling and the previewing. And uh, particularly in the case of editorial, I'll use it to kind of lay out the pages and, and make sure that story flows consistently throughout the set. See, that's very funny. We're both using Capture One just for the preview. <laughs> <laughs> then we're doing the layering and the heavy stuff in Photoshop. And most designers are going to say, what the hell, Photoshop? <laughs> You're using Photoshop <laughs> for layering. But at the same time, isn't it the main purpose to use the program that you're most comfortable with? It absolutely is. I mean, especially when it comes to retouching and it comes to photography, time is quite literally money. So mm -hmm. valuing efficiency is so important because that really ends up becoming your billable hours or your not billable hours if you take too long. Whatever you are most comfortable with is the right answer. And obviously that changes depending on the person and their preferences. I agree with you here. <laughs> and billable hours, that's a very interesting way to turn our conversation to because we can talk a little bit about the business side because it's all about the business at the end of the day. Tell me about your first paid client. Do you remember them? Oh, my first paid client. I do quite vividly remember <laughs> my first my first paid client uh, when it when it came to fashion. It was a, a beginning designer who was looking for me to photograph a lookbook for them. It was quite an intensive ordeal. It's a very a full day shoot. There were multiple models. There were you know multiple locations. Uh, lots of different looks that we went through. And I will say it was a great learning experience because <laughs> I definitely, from that one day, learned a lot of things that you know I could do right and, and kind of repeat that as I gained more clients and a lot of things that were valuable lessons to learn for next time. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to share the most valuable lessons? I think the most valuable lesson is really the value of planning ahead of time with the client. And to kind of readily assume that the time parameters they may, they may have may not be realistic ones. <laughs> I think that it was definitely a big takeaway was kind of realizing, okay, these are the amount of looks we're going to shoot. So this is the time in which I have to complete that. These are the amount of models that we're working with. So I have to make sure that kind of all the gears are turning <laughs> with getting them prepared and ready for set. So I really think that just the time management piece was probably a very big takeaway from that production. And what about now? What do you do about this topic particularly? Do you discuss your idea with the client long for the photo shoot or you're so good and so prepared now that you can do everything in just a minute? <laughs> Every client really is very unique kind of to themselves. So the discussion piece is definitely vital. And I prefer to have a fair amount of time before a production to really plan with the client and make sure that I know who the key players are within that particular organization, because you might have like a single client who's kind of running everything, but then you might have a client you need to know, you know, who's on their marketing team, who's doing the design for them. 
So that way you have all of those pieces lined up ahead of time and you know what kind of crops you should be using. <laughs> you kind of know how it's going to be displayed. So, okay, if it's going to be on a website, it's going to be a banner and I'm going to have changing backgrounds. Well, I can't cut off her shoulders or the top of her head because then that's not really going to work for well for that designer after the fact. I think a big important piece now is I'm probably even more detail oriented than I ever was because your work is your reputation and you want to make sure your clients as happy as they can be. So that really makes sure you have to know their expectations so that you can really try to over deliver on them. So let's talk about the difficult situations with clients and what are the red flags that we should be aware of when we are meeting one. The most basic of things is if the client doesn't really know what they need from you, that's definitely something that could be a cause for concern. So I think that what every artist should really do is have kind of their own list of questions and things that they really need to know in order to create a successful body of work for that client. I think that's really important because I think we kind of assume, especially when you're working with larger companies or brands, that they have everything kind of in line and ready to go. And sometimes that might not be the case. They might be newer to the role or they may be working with a very limited budget. So I think it's really important to kind of take ownership kind of ourselves and make sure that we have those list of details ready to fill in. But, you know, not every meeting goes well because budget especially is a big thing. And I think that that's another thing that artists really need to know is what their rates are and kind of what they're willing to be paid for specific production. Because I've had meetings with brands that would be great to work with, but that the budget just wasn't there for me to create the quality of work that I would need to be able to create for them. So I think that is another piece to really know. Be aware of the details and then be aware of what your value is. Oh, that's great topic. I was wondering what was your way to find out your value? I think I took a pretty basic approach to it. I really just organized all of my costs, that daily cost of, of doing business, if you will, my equipment, my studio rentals, my team and who I might have to pay, you know, even, you know, for retouching, things like that. Took that all together and then I kind of assigned myself what hourly rate I wanted to, to make for myself, which took a little bit of practice itself because I might have thought, oh, yes, I can get the job done in X amount of hours. And then in post-production realized I was quite off. So <laughs> it was really kind of looking at what my costs were, looking at what I wanted to make as a kind of hourly salary to it and then kind of mixing those together. And that does uh, waver a little bit depending on the client and maybe their potential exposure or influence can sometimes have a little bit of, a, of an effect on that rate. But primarily it was that. It was just really knowing you know, what I need to run as a business and then what I really felt was my worth as an artist in that kind of part of my journey. And what about the usage? Do you price the usage additionally? So uh, usage is one of those things that's become, I think, probably the most changed by social media because a lot of clients really don't quite understand like what a media buy is, <laughs> which was quite a surprise for me. That topic is really something that is specific to the client. It, it really depends if they're a, a somewhat kind of smaller brand. I'll typically try to kind of walk them through <laughs> the licensing process and how that works. But it's, I wish there was an easy answer for it because it's just so specific to the individual. It is. 
but I think it's something that you as a photographer really need to be able to speak to because it's something that is very surprisingly unfamiliar to a lot of clients that I've worked with. I really love the fact that you're not just educating the fellow photographers, but also the clients. <laughs> For me, that's... <laughs> That has always been so important because people, especially nowadays, it's so easy to start new business, even a business that you were totally unaware of. And in many cases, you are going to need photographs for this business. And at the same time, if you know nothing about photography, how are you supposed to learn if nobody's telling you? So if we have this type of conversation, for example, about the usage with our clients, I think this could change. But that's my personal opinion, because there are many things that I don't know. And I really appreciate when people are giving me new information. It's important for me. And I'm always ready to learn. So I suppose it's the same about my customers. And you know what? Talking about customers, I see a lot of people on the internet saying that they want to meet their perfect customer, their perfect client. What do you think about that? Is there such thing? <laughs> <laughs> There are definitely clients that I have that I'm very grateful to have and that I absolutely love working with. But I, I don't know if there's such a thing as a, as a perfect client. I, I think that would, that's wonderful. <laughs> I'd be <laughs> incredibly grateful to have that. But I, I think that every business interaction, there's, there's needs on the client side. And I think as an artist, it's really your duty to meet and exceed those needs and those expectations. So I think it, it should really be somewhat less the photographer being like, oh, I hope I get that perfect client and really just thinking about how do I become that kind of perfect producer for them and that perfect content creator so that they become a repeat client. I know photographers who have lowered, not just to fit the budget, they lower their price just to have the client. And I was very amazed when you said that you had some meetings with some clients that you really wanted in your portfolio. I'm pretty sure I know the answer of this question, but do you think every client is your client? I do not. I think that there really needs to be a, a moment of really thinking about what you need in terms of your financial standpoint and will those images really benefit your portfolio? And then after that, what does your journey look like after the fact? Because once you kind of lowball yourself and you lower your prices, It's a very difficult situation to climb out of because that's kind of the rate you've set for yourself. And you might be willing to do a job for a big brand and you cut yourself to, you know, maybe half of what you should be charging. The next time that brand comes around, they may need that same amount of work from you. That could be exhausting, might be too much. And you can't really raise your price at that point and maybe expect to keep them. So it's really quite tough. I think that you have to really just think about it and not be afraid to tell the client, you know, let me get back to you. And once I kind of organize the rates and, you know, give you a thoughtful estimate so I can make sure that my pricing is accurately reflected. I think that there's a lot of conversations that you can have with a client where you feel pressured into giving a price in that moment. And you really need to kind of find a way of presenting to them why it's important to get back to them if need be. Mm -hmm. Do you ever work with budgets? I mean, seeing the budget before you have given your price. I will say that this is always kind of that <laughs> awkward tango that you can have with a new client. 
where I definitely ask what a budget, you know, what their budget is, but I rarely ever get an answer. Yeah. <laughs> so that would be wonderful, but very rarely happens. So there are a lot of times where, where it's usually it's the reverse. And one thing that I have often done is if I am working with a smaller brand where their budget is a little less than maybe what my price was, I will not lower my price. I'll just instead really try to hit upon what their needs were and how if I do lower my price, what kind of fewer parts am I doing so that it levels up with that? So maybe I provide kind of a price for, let's just say, you know, 10 images and they come back with a lower rate than what I provided. You know, I'll kind of say, you know, I really want to work with you. And so it looks like instead of doing those 10, maybe we can do seven at this rate instead. It's a give and take and it isn't just me lowering my prices for the same amount of work. This is something I really don't recommend doing. Because it's really important to, if your client has that lower budget, that you kind of explain to them your own value and you kind of show what you are willing to give them in order to meet that budget, rather than giving them the same exact amount for a lower price on your end. Yeah, I definitely believe in this idea and that's exactly what I'm doing. And I think this is the right way because otherwise, how are you going to say like three months after this job, how are you going to say to the same client, I'm sorry, I just want the, the real price for this? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I love the fact that you're talking about value. For me, that's very important because I don't think that many people are actually realizing what they do as photographers. What do you think about this? It's definitely true. A lot of photographers are really kind of artists first and maybe their kind of familiarity with business is kind of secondary. In my case, I did go to school for business administration and a lot of my uh, professional background was in sales. So that kind of helped me to have that foundation that has definitely benefited me. And it's something that when I talk to a lot of aspiring artists, especially young ones that are kind of considering, you know, even college options, a lot of times I tell them to actually major in business and to really take it upon themselves to learn and to, you know, assist with artists to kind of fill in that technical side of things. But really understanding business is so important, especially now when there's so many photographers out there. The ones that really succeed are the ones that can make money. That was something that I was going to ask you about, about your education. Just realized so many things. <laughs> <laughs> that is very interesting to me. So you actually worked in this area for how long? I actually worked for Apple for a number of years. I think all well and told, kind of like around like eight years or so. So and that was a lot of sales based. So either with like local businesses and kind of integrating products into their workspaces, or even just kind of one on one with clients. But it was a really great hands on education, if you will, on how to really speak to a customer and a client and to really refine those skills when it comes to customer service. Because as a professional photographer, especially working more into the commercial world of things, it's a customer service job in a way. You're producing, sure, but there's still a client at the end of it that you need to please. Just full of ideas, full of beautiful answers. And everything that she's saying is just super amazing. It's like whole photography live just in 25 minutes. It's super amazing. But 25 minutes for a whole photography live are so not enough. So we're going to continue next Wednesday. But before that, we'll see each other on Friday. Oh, wait a minute. We won't see each other, but at least you'll be 
able to hear me. And if you want to see me, you can take a look at my YouTube channel. Of course, it's linked in the show notes. And if you guys love this show, I bet you're going to love it too. So thank you very much for being with me today. And don't forget to come back on Friday because I have very exciting news for you. And there are some cool opportunities that are coming up very soon. So don't miss the Friday show. 